When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. Just going to tee up this episode with, I think Man United are further away from the Promised Land than they somehow have ever been (laughs) in the last 10 years after the opening weekend of the Premier League season. Home defeat to Brighton, transfer targets, which are just an absolute joke. I'm here today, Scott Saunders, with Rob Blanchett, who was at Old Trafford for the Brighton game. Oh, Rob. This is going to be a long season. I have to talk about Man United twice, twice, twice a week with you. I do two other shows a week as well on the Night Min YouTube. I'm after after last season ended. I thought chance to take stock. I'll have a bit of a break from football, and hopefully next season will be better. If anything, it's going further south, isn't it? It's Groundhog Day. It's Groundhog Day. It's Groundhog Day. So this is the thing with Manchester United, isn't it? Is that a lot of these problems, these things we see all the time, just go round in circles. So you've got to kind of find the small details to feel good about our football club. But of course, first game of the season against a very organised Brighton team. What do we say, Scott, at the start of every show? Wouldn't it be good to talk about some football? No, because here we are. We've seen the football and it's the same football as last year. Different manager, different tactics same players so very very disappointing you know I know I was saying before to show that how uh, how optimistic I was after pre-season but I also know that that doesn't normally translate pre-season into the real thing and now we are here so yeah a real real bad few days for United fans that stadium what what a weird day Scott we it was such a good start to the day Lovely banging day as away. well. Lovely sunny day. Lovely sunny day. Fans were banging. It felt like a Champions League game. You know, so much noise. And within 15, 20 minutes, the place was silent. And it was silent because they couldn't pass a ball five yards. So my ambition remains the same, Scott. I want to be able to see Man United pass the ball this year five yards. And that is my ambition. I'm not talking about top fours or trophies. People talk, say, oh, a trophy would be good this year. No, you need to be able to pass the ball first. So this is the, the big task for Eric Ten Hag now, is to make sure that his players can keep the ball and actually do normal football things on a football pitch. We've been doing this show for a long time now, Rob. I think we've always taken the stance of let's let it cool down for a few days after the game. Let's not be sensationalist. Let's yeah. not be over the top and this kind of thing. I'm just going to put it out there today. I think I'm probably at my last season for me was apathy for a lot of the time. I, mm-hmm. I you know, I, that's that's how I felt. Optimism starts growing, but now I'm Sunday. I was so angry, honestly. I, I I was so angry, and it didn't wear off on Monday either. Just the way that 
We'll, we'll get into it in the show. No, I'll do the plugs first. Uh, you can subscribe to our show on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays as well on YouTube. So head over to that channel, hit the like button, join the community, subscribe, leave a comment as well about how desperate you think the Man United situation is. The link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on one of those audio platforms I just mentioned. And follow us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob, underscore B, and at Promise and MU. Uh, Rob, we'll talk today about the Brighton game. Obviously, you were there. I, I watched it as well. We'll talk Eric Ten Hag's uh, outlook on it, the things that he did, the things that he maybe got wrong. We'll talk Fred and McTominay because obviously that's the... Oof, it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll talk about the new signings, possibly. Uh, we'll talk about we'll talk about transfers as well because I know every United fan listening to this knows the two uh, solid links that have come out. Rob, the very fact that we have not mentioned either of these two players in any of our shows for the last maybe we mentioned Adrian Rabio once before on this show, perhaps I don't think we have. <laughs> no. You know. But I don't think we have. It's, Man United are entering desperation mode. Marco Anatovic, Adrian Rabio. They look like they're going to happen as it stands. Uh, United have moved quickly on these Eric Ten Hag's targets, reportedly. Uh, he's. We'll talk about it later. Uh, Sergei Milinkovic Savic is another name that's popped up as well. Also, uh, the Rob, we didn't mention this in the notes, but Benjamin Sesko is going to Leipzig. So that's another thing uh, which we can be really happy about, I guess. Uh, 19-year-old promising striker who is going to stay for the year with Salzburg and join Leipzig next year. Probably be en- end up being sold for 60-odd million euros, 70-odd million euros, to a Premier League team in the next four years, I would probably guess. Probably Man but, United. <laughs> probably Man United as well. Uh, maybe more more money than that. But oh, where do you want to start, Rob? So... Let's talk the game first, shall we? Because it's desperate, I think. And obviously, we know and we understand that this team is going to be a work in progress. We understand that. Ten Hag started with Lisandro Martinez and Christian Eriksen. Martinez at centre-back and Christian Eriksen in the false nine. He ended up going to six for the duration of the game. And United actually looked better. I know. <laughs> United actually looked better with a number 10 in at six. I know. Uh, which is... Damning. Paper, papering over the cracks, if it, you know. Yeah. Uh, square pegs in round holes is, is something that I've said a lot since that game. But I mean, David De Gea, Luke Shorten thing played very well. Dallo, I know you've mentioned the two two in midfield as well. Marcus Rashford is still off the pace uh, and lacking in confidence. I think Jaden Sancho played that well either. Oh, where do we start? You you pick. <laughs> you pick, Rob. Do you know, we'll, we'll just start with everything because I think everything is important here. The one thing, all of those players that you just spoke about there and reeled them off in positions that they've all got in common, there's two things that we've discovered over a long period of time. One, they don't work well under pressure. And that place, Old Trafford, was absolutely banging. It's the you know the loudest I've heard it for a long time. New manager getting the greeting that Old Trafford always gives new managers and new players. You know that love, that outpouring, and these players do not deal with that situation well. As it's been highlighted, when they came second in the league, they had no crowds at Old Trafford. They had no crowds away. It was obviously during COVID, so that was one thing. But the second thing, Scott, 
And this is a bit that really gets me and that I'm fully aware of, and I think United fans are, and I think you are, is that they are cowards. They're not leaders. There's no leaders in there to actually say, guys, stop. We're, we're on a football pitch here. We're surrounded by the best part of like 80,000 people and we need to play to a higher standard. We don't have that. Ronaldo doesn't give that. Bruno doesn't give that. Marcus doesn't give that. Harry Maguire does not give that. So that is a problem because if you haven't got those things, you can't just invent them. No manager in the world, and this is what we say about Solskjaer, you know, Solskjaer can say, oh, you're not very good tactically. No manager in the world can just fix that. You can't. Eric Ten Hag cannot fix that like that. It's not going to happen. So I was aware of that before the game. And as it played out, I was just thinking, this just is like watching a real bad rerun of a terrible TV show that you've watched a hundred times and been forced to watch. You just think, mm, I don't know if I want to watch this anymore, but I've got no choice because it's what it is. Can't change. The script is the same. So I just feel numb about it. Like you said, you felt angry. And I just, like my walk out of Old Trafford, it's, you know, you do the same things that you walk the same ways. You go back to where you are and you think about stuff. And I just felt completely numb with it because it just, it's the same stuff. There's nothing changed. You've got a new manager who's a great tactician. And I watched him opposite me at Old Trafford and he had his hand stuck to his face and you could see he was thinking, expletive, expletive, expletive. And this is the reality. So if he didn't know what Manchester United is, he certainly knows what it is at the moment now. We'll talk about the players in a bit, but let's, uh, you know. Cowards. 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 All, yeah. Every one of them is you, a coward. You can, tell, you can tell in the way that they react to the first goal. Obviously, like, we saw Fred give the ball away in the opening five, ten minutes in his own yeah. box. Yeah. And... Well, Brighton had a chance after 10 seconds. Yes, Delo. Yeah, Delo. Yeah. The ball ro- gets rolled across the box and Delo doesn't think, I wonder if there's a Brighton player behind me. I'll just turn into him. Oh, my God. Oh, and then he scored. And it was obviously a lot closer than people thought. And when that happened, again, that was right in front of us. We were like, is that how it's going to be today? And it did set the barometer. That was that. As soon as that happened, the fear came back in and the cowardice, just was and encouraged, it encouraged Brighton as well. To... Of course, Brighton thought, yeah, we'll press you. That's what we'll do. That's it. And, and that was literally it. Brighton obviously scored after, you know, in the first half. Mm. And the thing that United can't do is they can't react to a situation like that and keep it 1-0. Instead, yeah. it has to go to two and it makes their job even harder yeah. because they don't have the personality or anything any kind of steel within them to w- resist that and like fall to fall back on their footballing skills and their, you know, their smarts and this kind of thing. They just don't, they don't, they don't carry that. And we knew, we knew this all along. Now we've both been, well, I know I've been relatively, I wouldn't say I'm happy. Well, I haven't been happy. The fact that the United haven't got their transfer targets in before the start of the season, but I understand it's quite difficult sometimes, but um, the board here, the, the people who are making these decisions on transfers, like it, ultimately the, bl- the blame is going to fall with them, it's going to fall with the Glazers, just for not addressing this problem, which was so obvious last season, before the first game. Now, now this, this set this season off on completely the wrong foot, and Eric Ten Hag's already got a mountain to climb because they haven't bothered replacing the, and fixing the problems that United mm-hmm. know have existed mm-hmm. for years. Um, 
let's can we talk about Ten Hag to start with? How did you uh, make? What did you make of his uh, performance as a manager in the first game? I must admit, I wasn't I wasn't particularly too low on that because I think that these these issues that Man United have as a team, they are tactical on one hand. So people can fix tactics and you can go and practice them and United have been doing that. But you can't coach bravery. It becomes difficult. If players can't, if players wilt under pressure, you can watch them in training every day, Scott, for a hundred times and they could do that drill perfectly. And then when you're on a football pitch, it all just goes to nothing, confetti through the air. And that's what this team is. So like, are you saying, you know, what can you judge on on ten ten Hag? You judge him obviously on the result, and he will be judged on results. Manchester United lost the game two one. He couldn't impact the game as far as his changes goes, and I think he's now seeing that this is a different animal to anything he's ever had. You know, like if he's been walking a little Chihuahua dogs through his life, he's now walking a Rottweiler, and it's a different kettle of fish. So I don't like it's the first game, Scott. I'm not going to get wild on, on him. I think that he needs to learn this and he needs to learn it quick. And he needs to get new players in and he needs to create a new culture at Manchester United because the culture that is there is a glazer culture. So it was interesting that again, directly opposite us, above the, the managers, above the dugout, who were there? The Glazer family for the very first time. I can't remember I've seen them there for such a long time. But they were there to see their new manager, to support them and all of that. And they saw it. They witnessed it. They 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 saw the reaction from that crowd, yeah, singing their name, obviously, obviously to get them out of the football club. And they're either going to have to decide that they don't want to do this anymore, they're going to sell the club, or what would they normally do? They do spend money on transfers. It's just normally bad players. So we have to hope that Eric Ten Hag has been the, the godhead now of this project, that he gets the right players in. But the players we're connected to, they're not the right players. Supposedly, Eric Ten Hag's players as well. That is the problem. So, like the the, the, thing, the thing is, we want him to be in control, but also fans have to understand that they don't like the players that he wants. So we still got to let him buy them. That's just what it is. And we have to turn for Old Trafford and sing for the team and cheer for the team, and hopefully things improve. But you know, the first audition, yes, the first night of the at the opera and the curtain falls. It was a bad night. It was a bad night, and I think Eric Ten Hag understands that. And like I said, I think he uh, he's got to have to grasp that very quickly because good managers have come to the Premier League in the past with big reputations, like some, like a Scolari or people who have come and said, you know, I'm, I'm the best in class because I've won lots of stuff and World Cups and trophies. And you come to the Premier League and it's like a punch in the face. And Ten Hag better not accept that punch in the face. He's got, to, he's got to move on quick, hasn't he? He's got to find a way to make this team better. But I don't know how you make 11 cowards less cowardly. I don't know how you do that because they don't work well on our football pitch in front of our crowd. Yeah, I don't want to criticise Ten Hag too much because obviously the problems are there um, and they exist because of the people above him who've been trying, who've been yeah. overseeing this mess for long before Eric Ten Hag ever got in there. Who were all there watching. So, so the Glazers were there, Arnold was there, Murto was there. They were all there to sat together and Fergie was sat in front of them. So like they witnessed it. So they can't say, oh, we're in Florida and we don't see the games because that's what they've said before. We're not in touch with the football club. Well, don't you own it? 
Do you think Ten Hag? I I think he was a little bit naive. I'm just gonna. I don't want to be too negative, but I think you said there he's now seen what can happen in the Premier League right before his eyes. Should he not have known this before? Is it naive to play Fred in the six when he can't pass the ball when he's a best best played forward as a pressing kind of higher up the pitch midfielder? Is is he naive? What what did you make of Lisandro Martinez's his debut? I mean. I thought he was okay and he, he can pass the ball. I'll say that he can pass the ball, but as a center back, he looked in trouble. And I thought that Martinez, when they were initially linked with him, would come in as a DM. After watching that game, I still think he's a DM. You might now see that. You might now see that. But yeah. then if he's brought him to buy him at left center back and then reverts him to DM, that's naive. So I, I don't yeah. want to I don't want to pin all this on Ten Hag, but I mean there was some, there was some things he made three substitutions, attacking substitutions in the 90th minute with five minutes of injury time, which hmm. killed United's momentum completely. Yeah, uh, bit weird. It was a bit weird. I mean, obviously he has a massively uphill battle to face, uh, and we'll talk about the transfer targets, which are supposedly his later on. But you know. If he also said Brighton's a team who normally wants to play from the back, and this is a direct quote, he said they didn't today. They played long balls. I know we had a chat about uh, long balls, balls down the channels. That you know, uh, it's just semantics, really. Um, it seemed like he was surprised by that, and he was expecting Brighton to play in one way. They played another and switched it up, and he couldn't react to it. Uh, or did the is it the players who weren't reacting to it? I feel like I'm going in too hard on Ten Hag here, but I, I don't mean to. But I just wasn't super encouraged, is all I'll say. Well, look, he's the boss. So, again, he ha- he, ta- he has to take full responsibility for whatever he sets up. So, as the boss, if you lose 2-1 to Brighton, it's on you. It's just the way it is. So, I, I won't go in hard on him at all. And I won't, I'm not overly, um, you know, I don't come away from it feeling anything particularly different about Eric Ten Hag. Because I did feel before that if he had any naivety coming into England and English football, that 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 kind of that 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 leaves that very very quickly. You know, I remember was it Ronald De Boer when he went to Crystal Palace Frank, and 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 and, and, and Frank. You know, Frank, sorry Frank, and like Frank De Boer went to to Crystal Palace and and obviously he got sacked very quickly. But he came he, uh, as a as a really kind of prestige coach, someone who had ideas, and his ideas didn't translate very quickly. And that's Crystal Palace, not Man United. But at the end of the day, Eric Tenard's coming in to kind of re- recreate the wheel. You know, he's coming in to say, right, oh, no, you've played football before, but now I'm going to make you play better football. Are you with the same players doing the same thing against the same opponents? So like you just said there, he said about Brighton. I've watched a lot of Brighton. Brighton did what Brighton do. Yeah, they played through the counter press. So got the ball on the deck. Plenty of feet stuff. It wasn't long ball. Like he said that because we got done on two longer passes and Danny Welbeck went, hmm, so these centre-backs don't know each other. They've never played together in the Premier League. I might exploit that by just running the channel. That happens in the Premier League every week. So the manager has got to know that. He sat next to Steve McLaren. Are you telling me Steve McLaren doesn't know that? A former England manager 
and a former Premier League manager. Of course, he knows it. He hasn't worked so, in the Premier League for a decade plus. <laughs> but you know what? It, this this is the thing. Like we, when things go wrong, it's very easy to just nitpick and find everything wrong because there's so many things wrong, isn't there? You just said there about Lissandra Martinez. I actually think that in his wider work, he was good. So I think when the ball was on the deck, he made good choices in terms of his passing outlet. He tried to dribble out from the back. He tried to get the ball forward. The problem was he had a really, really poor Luke Shaw on the left-hand side. So there was time. Again, I, I watched these little isms. Remember I spoke last year about Ronaldo and the players communicating to Ronaldo and the problems there? Lissandra Martinez was in Luke Shaw's ear telling him, going, get away from me. Move away from me when I've got the ball. And Luke Shaw was a bit like, oh, I've been sick, mate. Don't feel very well. And Luke Shaw is like, well, why is he playing? So you saw that. So I don't was blame... Well, he was out, wasn't he? He had that sickness bug with same oh, right. as, as yeah, Jaden Sancho. So yeah. I don't know why him or Sancho played. They both looked ill still. They both didn't look fit. So that's on the manager. The manager makes that, that decision at the end of the day. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about selection, who you should be playing. But I think with Lissandra Martinez, it's a new partnership with Harry Maguire. And I think overall they were okay. I don't think I didn't see anything that I thought that is a complete disaster. It's just that you're working within your limitations. So I'm all right with Lissandra Martinez carrying on at left side centre back. He will do it. I liked his aggression. I liked his technique. But when you're a technical player, Scott, everyone around you has got to be technical. There's no point you being technical because if you pass the ball to them and they give it away, which is what was happening, you look bad because you're then defending and running back and scurrying. So that needs to be worked on the centre-backs, but I really think that was one of the least problems for Manchester United. You know, you said about McFred. We know McFred can't pass the ball. So it's really hard in a passing system to play McFred, isn't it? You know, what are you going to do? Marcus Rashford, what played wide, played through the centre, played everywhere, just looked rubbish. Bruno Fernandes, yes, so bad at being in midfield that they had to put Christian Eriksen, who was playing well up the top, as the number six to control the game. And Bruno then went off and did Bruno things and still did nothing well. You know, not one through ball from Bruno Fernandes in 90 minutes, not one. That was the stat. I think it was a killer stat for him. So it's all there for you. You can read it as a manager. We can read it as fans and journalists. But nothing changes. You've got to go and get better players to complement the players who are not that good. And you've got to somehow find some bravery. Leaders, that's the kind of footballer you're looking for. That's why I think Lissandra Martinez might be an important player for Man United this year. Because he is a leader. And I don't think he will suffer fools gladly. He won't be having Luke Shaw on the outside of him, not running up that line. He'll be telling him. And I think he'll be controlling all of that. But it's the first game. So the new players and the new manager, they can wait and see. It's the existing players that are still the problem. <laughs> Leads us on to Fred and McTominay. Oh, and breathe. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Fred and McTominay. I, a lot of fans have been massively critical of McFred. Mm-hmm. as they've been christened over the last few years. I understand why. Uh, yeah. Never wanted to kind of, you know, do it myself and kind of say, hey, you, what are you doing in this team? Mm-hmm. But yesterday, or yesterday, Sunday, was... They were just completely exposed for not being... They, when I say square pegs and round holes, that they are the epitome of that. Yeah. Fred is not a six. McTominay... Still don't know what he is really. He, he can carry the ball, he can't pass it. Why is he playing in a Man United midfield, and why has he been playing under three, four different managers yeah. consistently all the time? And I look at uh, both of them. 
and I kind of sympathize with Eric Ten Hag in a sense because he doesn't have any other options. But you, nope. we we spoke about this earlier, Rob. Mm. Uh, Zidane Bell, mm-hmm. uh, obviously played on the preseason tour. Yeah, showed a good side to him, and we spoke about this off air, which we we didn't really agree with this uh, either of us. Uh, you think he should be the type of player kind of just put in there because we know what we're getting already from Fede Tomine, right? Yeah. Yeah, look, if you're baking your cake and you've got all the wrong ingredients, your cake's going to taste like you know what. So you need to change your ingredients. So I think with Manchester United, yes, you'll go out, you'll do that by buying new players and trying to find new ways. Look for the technique that you need to be able to keep the ball, to look after the ball, to cover it. And Fred and McTominay are not those kind of players. So what can you do, Scott? This is where you and me disagree. Because I'm not one of these, you know, old United fans who go, oh, yeah, you know, if you're, you know, if you're good enough, you're young enough and vice versa. No, I'm not that at all. I think football at the end of the day is a is a technical sport and that putting the ball on the deck and passing it from here to you over there five yards is what it's all about. It's how it starts. Man United can't do that. They couldn't do it last year. They haven't been able to do it for years. Back to Mourinho, even back to Van Gaal. With Van Gaal, so this is years ago, they got they were so bad at it, they just started passing it two yards because Van Gaal was like, do not give that ball away. And it was boring, wasn't it? And horrible to watch. So here we are, flip forward years and years on, and Man United still can't pass the ball. So that is a problem. So you've got to look at your technical players. So Man United have got four technical players in their midfield. And people would tell you that Man United haven't got that. So Dan Iqbal, Charlie Savage... Donny van der Beek and Hannibal. All four of those are technical footballers, but they're not getting a chance. Now, they're not getting a chance. Why? Because they're not ready. You hear it all the time. They're not ready. What Are, are McFred ready? Are any of that 11 that played against Brighton ready? They're not. Bruno Fernandes isn't ready. He's on 300 grand a week. So, like, this is the problem. I think you've got to look at what you've got. And if you can't buy players to solve that problem now and you can't get Donny van der... You can't go and get a Frankie de Jong at the moment. You can't get players that you really want. You've got to, you've got blood kids. That's what you've got to do. And if you lose, you've at least got that excuse and say, well, I'm blooding the kids. I'm doing what Arsenal did with Smith, with Smith Rowe and with Martinelli and their young players. We're going to take the pain because it means in a year's time, these kids are going to be really good. And I've got faith in Zidane and Savage. Watching them on that tour, their maturity was the thing that really got me. Watching them and going, this is obviously pre-season, but they look like footballers. They look like they belong on a football pitch. Whereas McTominay, you just said, what is McTominay? He's an energy player. He just runs around. That's why Ole Gunnar Solskjaer liked him, because he gave energy and he would run into people. And as we said off air, you know, he probably should have been sent off, you know, when he, when he made that tackle the second time. We said that when he got the first yellow card, we were sat there going, well, he, that's his game done now, because he knows second yellow, he's gone, and, and he'll get a load of flack. And this is where the cowardice comes from the players, is that they don't want to put it all on the line because they're worried, they're always nervous. And I think that kids generally don't get that nervous. Kids go, I play football, I'm good at what I do. So give me the ball, I'll pass it to him. Look, I've done 100 passes today and they all went, They, I got 90 of them where they should go. Uh, Scott McTominay passed succession rate was 67%, Scott. That is awful. That is famine. So you've got to go with what you got. And if you've got kids who can pass the ball, play the kids. My counter argument to that, and I, I want to specifically mention James Garner in in a minute because James Garner bench. as well. I forgot him, sorry, because he yeah, he, he was on the but bench, yeah. and yeah. we'll talk about him 
in a little bit. But I, I think I was impressed by uh, Zidane on the preseason tour. I think most yeah. people were. My counter argument to what you're saying there is he's still young, pretty fresh. Yeah. Do you want to bring a young player who's pretty fresh into a team which has no clue what it is? And put that pressure that Fred and McTominay can't shoulder, having had been in the team for three, four years and dealt with this. Can you put that pressure and expectation on a young player like that? One thing goes wrong and he's got the same problem as all of the other players have because nobody else is going to pick him up. There's nobody else in there who's going to restore that confidence and say, come on, let's go again, because this team doesn't have it. In a technical sport, if Zidanek Bell improves the IQ of the football team and makes you keep the ball better you are going to lose less games than not. So this is the thing against Brighton. Brighton are a technical team and highly, highly skilled in their tactics. And Zidane Iqbal, it wasn't the problem wasn't Man United getting the ball because Scott McTominay and Fred had the ball a lot, a lot over the whole game and they were just giving it away. So if you have a player who's 18, 19, 20, but doesn't give the ball away and actually gives the ball to Christian Eriksen in a good area, I think you're okay. So I think that you've got to sometimes bite the bullet and you've got to think technique. And we get very emotional in English football, don't we? That everything's about emotion and everything is about um, kind of how we feel about football and all that. It's not. Football is technique. Put the ball on the deck. Zidane Iqbal is not going to do the same things that Fred and McTominay do. He's not. And he will be. He'll keep it. He'll go, if I, the passes are on, then I will go sideways. I will go backwards. I'll keep the ball because it's, it's about possession football. When I watched Savage and, and Iqbal, what I liked about them on the tour was, as I said, I talked about the maturity, but it's decision-making, isn't it? It's about knowing what's the normal play in this scenario. And that's what McFred don't have. They don't have that in their brains. Fred is wild, runs around like a, a nut job, just doesn't just in the wrong positions, chasing everything nonstop as a six. No, as a six, you've got to be disciplined. Get the ball, move it on. And I think actually Zidane Iqbal would be a better number six. That's why Christian Eriksen played there, Scott, at the end of the game, because he just wasn't going to give the ball away. He's just going to make a normal pass. So I think you've got options. You've got to use them. And they're not the best options in the world. They're not as good as Liverpool's or City's, but they've what you've got. If you don't try them, Scott, in 10 games' time, if this is still happening, this manager is gone. If it's that bad in 10 games... Man United Universe will be saying sack this manager. And if you haven't tried your players, like Ole didn't, Ole didn't utilise his squad, then it is on you. So if he doesn't play Zidane, I will be asking in the next few weeks, why are you still playing uh, Scott McTominay when you've got Zidane Iqbal sat on the bench watching? Well, give him a go, maybe. Well, Scott McTominay might not be playing if United get some of their transfer targets they've been linked with. I just (laughs) did want to come back to... I think I would replace... Uh, Zidane's name there with Jimmy Garner. Yes. Because he does have, it's, it's a completely different kettle of fish, but he has championship experience. Yes. Nottingham Forest seem to want him back. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's a completely different level, but at least that is a profile of player with some experience in lower league mm-hmm. who can, he's of a good, he's of, a, he's of an age, I think he's like, what, 21, 22, something like that. Yeah. So yeah. he's probably more ready, and I would be much more willing to see him given the chance, given the opportunity in position of Fred or McTominay, yeah. rather than somebody like Zidane, who I think can be integrated more slowly. 
Yeah, I think it's, I, it's I, a lot of pressure for a player with that little experience. I, th- I think this is all getting down to like micro opinion because that's not that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about play using your squad. So Jimmy Garner absolutely fits in that 100. And there was people at the ground saying, "Why is Garner not playing?" So you have to ask those questions. Why did Garner not play on the tour when Zidane did? So th- th- this is questions for the manager to answer, and we can't, as fans and journalists, we just can't answer them. But it's not it's not really about the micro opinion. It's about You've got to use your squad. You know, you've got to use players that are actually paid by Man United, whether they're 18 or 28. It doesn't really matter. It's about getting the final result, about winning football matches. So, yeah, Jimmy Garner, I think he probably will go back on loan. Um, it is surprising why he didn't get more minutes in the preseason. Um, but maybe I think he is a bit more of a jack-of-all-trades midfielder and technically is good, like he can do it. But doing it at Nottingham Forest in the Championship is very different to doing it in the boiling pot of Old Trafford. So, again, maybe the manager's seen something that he doesn't fancy and that's why he's going to go back out on loan. All right. Shall we then? (sighs) And then again. (laughs) So, Rob, like, for context, Hmm. I can take one bad result. I can. Like, I understand and I know that this job is difficult. Eric Ten Hag mm. knows that this job is difficult. Yeah. I understand that. He has a lot of work to do. He needs new players, etc., etc. It's obvious to everyone. I, I'd be happy this season. I wouldn't say I'd be happy, but I would. it would be fine, I guess, in the circumstances. If United finished sixth, play some decent football, and won the Europa League. I said this the other week. I think that would be a good season, a good start for me. As long as they were building towards something. The biggest problem that I have with the last 48 hours, it's not down to the fact that they looked awful on the pitch, which they did. It's how they're planning to address this under the cloud and the guise of this is a new era for Man United. We've seen (laughs) it before. We've seen it before. Edward Wood's gone. Do you remember the joy when it was announced that Edward Wood was leaving? And he was passing this over, the responsibility over to Richard Arnold. John Murtagh was installed as director, you know. And this is the new brain trust behind Man United transfer business. In in tow with Eric Ten Hag, obviously, uh, who is the new manager. They've been trying for 14 weeks to sign Frankie de Jong. We've said on this show over the last few weeks that, okay, yeah, fair enough. United know exactly which targets that they want to get, and they are Mm -hmm. not wavering. They are still sticking with De Jong. And the panic button has now been pushed, and we have, out of the generator, names Adrian Rabio and Marco Anatovic. Now, I want to start with Rabio because he is the, probably the, it's related to the conversation we just had about the midfield. Mm. Juventus want to offload him, and... There was talk they could pay him off at one point to get rid of him. They just did it with Aaron Ramsey a few weeks ago. Yeah, they did, yeah. Juventus have signed Paul Pogba from Man United for free to replace someone like Adrian Rabio in their midfield, who they want to offload. Yeah. Man United have now said, after all of the massive fuss they've made about this being a new start, this being a new, you know, um, a fresh look at everything under a new manager have now gone back to Adrian Rabio, who they have now put, fed out to press that they've been looking at for three years. Well, what have you been looking at for three years when every per, every person who watches him doesn't understand what he does? 
Why, why is this happening? This is insanity, Rob. Like, and I, I said at the start of the show, I don't want to go over the top. And I try not to a lot of the time, but I'm so angry <laughs> right now. Go the over the top, that, Scott. Go over the top. I, do I'm it. I'm so angry right now at the fact that United have made this massive fuss about having a new start and doing all this. And they're falling into the same traps they've been falling into for the last 10 years under a new team of people. A, a new, like, I'm putting that in quote marks, like, for, for those who are listening. It's, this is a new team. And I know, Rob, that they've you've said before we started recording that these have been in the club for years. So they obviously know how it's worked in the past. Richard yeah. Arnold has made it clear that they want to do things differently. They're falling into the same traps and they're going to probably give, if Adrian Rabio signs, a four four year deal, I would, I would imagine, on wages, which he's on 175K a week at Juventus. What has he done in the last three, four years, apart from make noises? His mum, who is his agent, has been... She made a big fuss and she argued with Paul Pogba's family at the World Cup after France went out of the World Cup. PSG, who have Neymar, characters like this, who are, you know, just massively, I wouldn't call them troublemakers, but they're just not easy to handle. Massive egos. PSG wanted rid of him. What are United seeing in this? Well, two things off the back of that. I've said consistently for a year that Man United need to not go for exactly this type of player. Someone on a high wage, big contract that you then can't move if it all fails and falls apart. So as you said there, Adrian Rabiot is on about 175k a week at Juventus and Juventus are gone. We need to move this guy quick. We've got this guy called Paul Pogba. We got him for free from Man United. And I said to Man United fans, when Pogba leaves, be careful what you wish for. And here we are. So you're going to get Adrian Rabiot. It's happening. He's going to come to Manchester United. He's the wrong profile of player. But unfortunately, the second part of what I want to say is that he is Ten Hag's choice. So like you said there, why, 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 why? I can sit here and say, why, 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 why? Well, the reason why is because the new manager wants him. The end. So be it on Ten Hag's head. So when we see Adrian Rabiot and we're saying in six weeks time, Scott, what does he do? What kind of player is he? What stylistically does he bring to the team? Does he help you? We'll be able to ask Eric Ten Hag those questions because it is his player. This is not the Glazers player. This is not Ed Woodward's player. You know, we know what's gone wrong over many, many years, but this is the manager's player. So this is the whole thing about Eric Ten Hag. He's either going to prove us wrong, Scott, bring Rabio in and make Rabio look amazing. And we'll be like, wow. That's actually a good signing for 15 million. And yeah, he's on 175k a week, 200k a week on a big contract. But you know what? He's so much better than McTominay. He's so much better than Fred. And even though he's not perfect, he does well for us. I think then we'll be satisfied. But at this moment of time, he is totally the wrong profile of player that this football club needs. You need to move away from the Rabios. You need to find your ways back to youth, the players you've already got. Play your Garners players are Dan's, players savages. And if you lose because of that, be okay with it. Manchester United fans will be okay with it because it's the lifeblood of the football club. Unfortunately, what we're seeing here is a new version of Glazonomics. Just as just a manager kind of operating. I don't know what agreement he has with the Glazers in terms of the control. We know that he has the final say on all transfers. And this is one of his players that he wants. But I'm sure that Rabio wasn't 
the first choice. Like, you know, we know he wants De Jong. We do know this. And Man United were prepared to pay 80 million for De Jong and still might do that. But when you look at Rabio, you look at Anatovic, you look at these two players, they're exactly the kind of high wage, high ticket, low impact players that Man United have bought for 10 years. And that has got you nowhere. You said just a minute ago, I'd be okay with six in Europa League. Dream on, Scott. I know. Tenth and nothing. Tenth and no cups. So, like, this is the thing. This is where United lie today. And I think this is going to be the bigger, wider challenge for Eric Ten Hag is to not just keep Man United's head above water and be competing for the top four, but to stop Man United from drowning and dying. Because that will mean the end of his tenure really quick. Six months, gone. Banging on door in November. And it will be like the Frank Lampard syndrome with Chelsea like a year later. It's like, you're not getting results. Yeah, we like you. We think you're good. But do you know what? Poch, hi. Are you free? Do you know what? We liked you two years ago, didn't we? Oh, Eric, you're from the Eredivisie. You just couldn't do it, mate. It doesn't matter how good you are. And this, I can see this playing out already after one game. So it's miserable. So Eric Ten Hag has got to prove it to the world that he is in the same conversation as Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp and Thomas Tuchel. And he's not going to be the next Dutch failure in England because let's be honest, there's been quite a few. Uh, Where's the notes taking us next? Because... Uh, it's taking oh, us yeah. to Valhalla, I think. That's where we're it's, going. It's, taken, it it's like taking us to Marco Arnautovic, Rob. Because... Yay. Remember everything I just said about context, <laughs> about yeah. signing the wrong players, yeah, etc. There's a character can like there's a you can say all you want about we've talked like why am why are Man United entertaining this? I mean, plenty of incidents in the past of Mark Arnautovic being unsavory to put it yeah. nicely, abrasive, mm. uh, not these, very good. Not very good as well. Like that's not even talking in football terms. He's just yeah. I understand if if you're looking for an option which is a, a short term fix because you you are targeting someone else. There's a there's a guy that let's take Frankie De Jong as an example. Let's say United are signing Rabio because they think they can get Frankie De Jong next year, and they ultimately mm-hmm. want to save some money and get Frankie De Jong because he's the long term plan. I maybe understand that, but. Who do they want up front? What is Marko Arnautovic going to offer to Man United under Eric Ten Hag this season? Apart from potentially upsetting the camp, I've, he- I've heard. Obviously, we know it's been well publicised on social media. The in- incidents that uh, have surrounded Marko Arnautovic in the recent mm. past and the and the distant past. Ten Hag's uh, supposed well, Ten Hag and Steve McLaren worked with him at FC Twenty before twenty ten. Yeah. And they still think that that's a valid, you know, like they still think that sticks. This stinks, Rob. This this one, mm. absolutely. There's nothing about this that it, there's no, no redeeming quality, no redeeming feature in this transfer that makes me think it's a good idea. It stinks, and I think as well, there's already been a sizable backlash against the player through social media and obviously through the traditional media. So Manchester United do listen to these things. They do watch. They do They do make decisions based on that. Now, I'm sorry, Eric Ten Hag doesn't. Eric Ten Hag hasn't got Twitter. Eric Ten Hag isn't worried about that kind of stuff. So the issue here is that this is a player he wants. Um, 
talk about Inatovic in terms of character. I just said that the Man United team are cowards. You know, I've said that like seven times on the show today. Inatovic is like the anti-coward to to some managers. He's someone you're going to put up front. He's going to fight people because that's the kind of guy he is. He doesn't really care about, you know, the, the aspects of his reputation. Um, we don't want him because he's been linked with some very, very dodgy stuff in the past and has said dodgy things and has been and has been suspended for it. So this is not something we're, we're putting out there as like hyperbole just because this is a player we don't want. But in terms of character, I think Eric Ten Hag is probably behind the scenes maybe critically worried that the players that he has do not have the correct character. So he's thinking 8 million, 10 million, 12 million, whatever it costs, get me a little bit of character. I need someone up front. And this is why I felt bad about Marcus the other day, because Marcus played really well on the tour and just looked pathetic against Brighton. Pathetic. And Jada Sancho has been ill, so we'll give him a pass. But he was bad. So I think, again, he's looking for someone at the top end of the pitch who's going to go and do what Danny Welbeck did. Danny Welbeck went, I'm going to run you guys. I'm going to run you ragged. And I'm not the best footballer in the world. But hey, I'm not scared of playing at Old Trafford. I was born here. This is in my blood. I'm going to do this. So I think with Anatovic, that's what he's looking to buy is at least a short-term fix of someone who could bring character. But come on, Scott, that's not the character we want. This is why I'm saying play kids because kids will learn on the job and you can support them. And when they make mistakes, you can give them a cuddle and say, it's okay, let's go, let's carry on. You ain't going to be giving Anatovic a cuddle in the same way that you can't give Ronaldo a cuddle. The ego is too big. It becomes problematic. So you have to go away from that. And I think this is where, you know, Ten Hag is juggling 25 balls where he thought you might be juggling four or five. And that is a problem. And if Anatovic is his solution, be it on his head. Bring him to the club. Play him. And if it doesn't work, we will be asking Eric Ten Hag why you bought Anatovic and Rabiot. It's just how it's going to be. Uh, the, the club see or the people making the decisions are said to see Marco Anatovic as a player who can play with his back to goal strong strong I call him like in the night I call him a nuisance every time one of the teams that I've seen come up against Marco Anatovic I've seen him play against Wales a lot of times he's a nuisance he is scored 40 goals in Serie A last season he has got talent he's He's 33 he's 34 later this year Hmm. or next year got really good feet he's really good feet you know he's, he's not he's not a, a big lump of a footballer he can play with his back to goal but he's a, he, he's absolutely technically he's better than what we've got and this is the problem because it shouldn't work like that we shouldn't be looking at players in that bracket in that market to be better than Marcus Rashford to be better than maybe Anthony Martial even though he didn't play that first game this is part of the issue isn't it that unless you go get Haaland and someone else go went and got him you've got to go get Sesco if you can't get Sesco you end up with an out of it. So this is the, I think this is the kind of prophecy that's going to go round and round in circles for this football club in the next few weeks and months. Yeah. Benjamin Sesco on Tuesday morning has been confirmed as a, a new RB Leipzig player as of next season. I know Rob, we've done a lot of shows recently on Benjamin Sesco and Man United's yeah. interest in him. Uh, his agents have done a good job shopping him around, yeah. but at the end of the day, he has opted to join RB Leipzig, as we said earlier. He'll get a couple of years in Germany, and then you'd think RB Leipzig will sell him on to a bigger club who, with a lot, a lot of money, who are desperate for a striker. Man United in 2025. 
Possibly. 2026. Red Bull, we're never going to let him go. Red Bull are not stupid. They're a proper sporting organization. They're not going to give away one of their best talents for like 15 million because that was the value. Do you know what I mean? So not surprised to see him swap codes and end up at Leipzig. Bigger stage for him. He'll score lots of goals there. He'll look good and he'll have a much bigger price tag this time next year. All right. Should we talk? We'll we'll talk. Look ahead to the Brentford game on Friday's show. But Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, yay! Milinkovic-Savic, the the modern day Wesley Snyder, probably uh, in terms of his links to Man United, consistently linked to Man United. He's a tower of a man. He's a he's a he's big physical presence. Very good footballer as well. Mm Uh, the suggestions are uh, over the last few hours and even usually these reports emanate from Italy. Yeah. Uh, usually, but we've had started to see some English outlets pick it up. I think the Telegraph did a piece on yeah. interest in Milinkovic Savic being very early on, yeah. uh, on Monday night. I mean, we'll see how it goes. Milinkovic Savic has been talked about as a potential transfer target for a lot of Premier League clubs for many years now. <laughs> He's a better option than Rabio. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Uh, what do you make of uh, this speculation, Rob? And also, uh, one thing as well, I just wanted to point out: we all we watched we watched Moises Caicedo the other day mm. in the midfield. I know four million quid, five million quid. United passed on him. Club win. Anyway. No, we don't. We don't want. We don't want a player we can develop who's got upside. We know we don't want that. That will take time. We'll lose football matches. What we'll do is we'll just give someone two, 300 grand a week and then that will fix it. Yeah. So instead, United are going to pay for Adrian Rabio. Yep. Having lost a better player, Paul Pogba, back to Juventus, having paid 90 million for him. Yep. And probably end up paying 60 million, let's say this one comes off, 60 million quid for Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, who, while I think he's a good player, I have issues with this being, why didn't you do it three months ago or three years ago if you actually wanted him? Mm. This is the problem that we continually fall into. Uh, but or should we end up on a positive note? Do you think this... <laughs> is Is there any positives to take from the last... 48 hours, 72 hours worth of stuff around Man United. And is there anything in the Milinkovic-Savic links? Right. Well, we, we all know that I always talk about patience and, and, and letting things play out and see how they happen. So we know where we are with De Jong because we've been there forever. So that's just the way it's been. Manchester United have constantly said from the centre that they have got their other targets ready. That if they don't get what they want in the first instance, that they've got their targets ready in the second instance. Now, if that's Rabiot and Anatovic, none of us are going to be very happy. However, if it's obviously Milinkovic-Savic, he's a player who has got a ton of upside. You could bring him into that midfield, reshape the midfield, and he could be a very good player in the Premier League. So you just say it's very early days. They mentioned I'd have made their inquiries. They, again, do feel that this is a pool of players that they've got ready, like almost oven-cooked, ready. It's been in the microwave for a few weeks, and now they might have to pull it out of the microwave and chuck it in the oven and get on with it. I think this is where we are with the transfer market at Manchester United, is that United will make moves, but they won't be perfect. But if you can get this player, it's going to cost 50 to 60 million. I think you can get him out of Lazio. 
I think you can dress it up as your Paul Popper replacement. You can say, yep, he's a guy. He's going to come in. And then the, the, you can almost say, oh, we didn't get Frankie de Jong because Barcelona's a basket case. So there's a balancing act here. And this is what Man United will be trying to do. On the flip side, the manager just wants players that can help him win. That's what he wants. He wants to create a squad that's competitive, that can win football matches. And Milinkovic-Savic will help you win football matches. I'd be totally high on that signing. I think he's a really good player. But you probably should have gone and got him a while ago, Scott. Like you said there, you know, why did you not get him three months ago? Because he's not first choice. Your first choices you didn't get. And De Jong, I still think, now might lean towards Chelsea or even not leave Barcelona. I'm waiting for the picture, Scott, on Twitter of, of, of De Jong cuddling Laporta. Big cuddles signing a new three-year contract on 120 grand a week. You know, I'm, I'm waiting for it because it feels like that's where we're going. Um, it's, it's all so dysfunctional and weird. It's like it just doesn't make any sense. While, Frank, while they sue Frankie de Jong's agents at the same time and all sorts. So let's just see where we go with it. And I do think with the you need to bring these new players in. You need to get them in faster. You need to climb, climatise them to what you're trying to do. What I worry about is that those first two players are not good enough. And Milinkovic-Savic might have a big weight on his back if he comes to the club. Um, but yes... On a positive note, he's a really good footballer. Really good footballer, but might have a big weight on his back in the midfield. Where have I heard that before? Poor Paul Pogba. Yeah, well, this see, this is the thing about Pogba, and I will end on that quickly, because I think this is the thing about Pogba, is that for his talent and what he was and what he can do, and he's not a leader either, not a big one, like he's a dressing room leader, but he's not a big leader on the pitch. You needed to compliment his talent, and you didn't. And then everyone blames Pogba because Pogba isn't a number six and doesn't do number six things. So this is where Israel Milinkovic-Savage, he might be really good. Am I a really good player? But if the whole midfield is about him and you say, right, you're playing next to this lad, Scott McTominay, this week. Um, let's get on with it, win a football match against Brighton. Brighton might just hit you in the channel again and beat you. That's just how it is. So all of these things, they're not perfect. And Eric Ten Hag has to find a much better way than Manchester United have done it over the last several years. And unfortunately, he's not passed that early test. So there's going to be plenty more tests to come. We'll talk about them on the show and and we'll be honest about it. This is not, a, you know, we, we want to shout and scream at times, but we just want to kind of call it. And I think Eric Ten Hag absolutely now knows this is a really, really tough job if he didn't know it before. Apologies if you're listening today and have had a slightly more emotional me than than usual. I'd like to. You do it, Scott. You do measured, it. Let, I, let it I, all out. Let it all out. I'm, I'm honestly so frustrated and irritated with this football club at the moment. Uh, for the last ten years, <laughs> it's a big departure from the apathy of last season because I just knew that we were in for a season of. You know, oh, this is going to be mad. Let's have to live it out. And then you get, I wasn't even super hopeful going into this season, but the fact that this is a supposed new fresh start under a new manager and they're just reverting to type just means that, well, we're in for a hell of a ride, a hell of a long season and bring on the World Cup. I will say, change the uh, ingredients, change the ingredients, bake the cake, get on with it. So this is the thing. It takes time. You know, it's never oven ready from the moment we go on. And that's where I still sit. I still think that this manager, you have to give him time to either succeed or fail. But on day one, he did fail. His team failed. They lost to a really good Brighton team. And the problem is, Scott, you're going to play other really good teams. So this is a, this is the issue. Brentford are next. They're a good team. They're set up well. Liverpool are next. Hmm, they're pretty good. So all of these things, it doesn't change week to week. You're always playing a good team in the Premier League. 
Yeah, we'll talk the Brentford game on Friday. Maybe we'll have a resolution to Frankie de Jong's future by Friday as well, given Barcelona need to register their players ahead of their first game this weekend. Although yeah. Gerard Piquet's pay cut is said to be close, which would allow them to do so. What a club. What a football circus. club. That is what a very odd club. circus. Um, yeah, Rob, uh, thanks for today. I mean, we'll, we'll talk again later in the week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, <laughs> if you're positive in any sense at all, get in touch with us. Try and try and bring us up a bit. Try and bring me up a bit because I, I'm not feeling overly positive at the moment. Tweet As Scott you with may some have love. Guessed, Tweet him. Yeah. <laughs> tweet, tweet some. I, I'm even at that stage now with fans of other clubs of DMing me and saying, yeah, oh, I feel a bit sorry for you, mate, having to sit there like with it like on the Nighty Min show on YouTube. We bunch of fans of different clubs all sitting together usually get the boots stuck into united have been for getting that for about six seven years now and it's turned to oh god it's not very good is it i feel sorry for you having to talk about that all the time anyway if you're feeling a little bit better or more positive about something united can pull off in the next few weeks if you think that there's a reason a good reason behind Adrian Rabio signing or Marco Arnautovic's signing. Get in touch with us. Try and pick us up a bit because I'm certainly not there. Uh, you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods on Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. And watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays on our YouTube channel. So hit the like button on today's video. Subscribe, join the community. And like I say, leave a comment of positivity because we all need it right now. The link should be in the description of this episode as well if you're listening on an audio platform. And follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore P, and at Promise and MU for the show. Thanks, Rob. Uh, speak to you soon. And listeners, thanks for listening. We'll speak to you soon, too. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.